Well, you look good this morning. Thanks. I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, we'll be in Colossians 2 in just a moment. Continue the Marks of Disciples series. Uh, as you get ready to turn there, just a couple of announcements. Um, first thing is, as Ken prayed, we um, are, the countdown is, is really on now for the Philippines. Daniel, how many days? Next Friday, right? So like about, right, so five days, right? Basically, they're leaving. Daniel and Amanda and Jeff and Randy headed to the Philippines to, uh, to pioneer and trek through uncharted territory for the gospel. Uh, we're excited about that, praying for them. Uh, this first Wednesday, we're going to hear a lot about that. I've asked them to put together kind of a presentation with pictures and videos and give us a better idea. Um, you're going to want to see the video of this motorcycle, okay? Um, if you think you've seen... Uh, a lot of people packed on a motorcycle before. You've seen nothing until you see them do it Filipino style. So um, this first Wednesday, this Wednesday night at 6.30, we'll be in here as typical for worship and communion. But we're going to take some time to hear from the team and, and really get more details on how we can be praying for them. And so um, it, the countdown is six, five days, basically. Um, we are today and first Wednesday um, going to continue collecting support to help send them. It's very expensive, as you can imagine, to travel internationally, uh, but the gospel's worth it. So we, we jump in and we do this. So um, if you are interested in, in helping support them, just mark your check or your envelope, Philippines. And if you can't spell Philippines, which I can't, you can just put Philip or Phil or whatever. Just indicate this is to help support the team as they get ready to go next Friday. Um, second thing is this. Uh, in this series, we are going to next Sunday pause for a minute and take all that we learned today and put it in application in a baptism uh, Sunday. And so I know that I've talked to four or five, six different people who are uh, talking about, they feel like God has, has, has got them ready to do this. And so I don't have a final count. I don't know if we'll have one or if we'll have ten. Uh, maybe God will speak even through these services today and, and uh, some of you. Um, are ready to do that, so that's next Sunday. But we're also going to do Family Worship Weekend next Sunday, and we're excited about that. If you don't know what that is, it's where we take, um, we, we take our kiddos from kindergarten, first grade, kindergarten up. So everybody on campus who's kindergarten or older is in all of our, in our services, Sunday morning services, okay? So we still do our nursery through pre-K, but kindergarten and up. Everybody's in here, and we do Family Worship Weekend. We do this for a couple of reasons. Um, the primary reason is that we want your kids to learn from you about what it looks like to worship Jesus, submit to Jesus, to hear from Jesus, to love Jesus, when necessary, be broken in front of Jesus. And we teach them that over there and, uh, on a weekly basis, but then we want to give you opportunities throughout the year to lead your own children. And so we invite them into our services. As I say, they're never a distraction. We love the energy that they bring. And so next Sunday, expect extra kiddos around you during both services for Family Worship Weekend. So we're excited about next Sunday, this Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, a lot going on the next seven days for us as a church family. All right, well, we are um, going to jump into um, Colossians chapter 2 in just a second, and uh, we're going to look at the beautiful, rich symbolism um, of baptism and why it is such a big deal both to Jesus and to us as his church. And, uh, and so when we teach... Uh, on things like baptism within a church, um, it, it's always interesting because we come from different backgrounds, uh, denominational backgrounds, different experiences, different uh, thoughts on baptism. And I oftentimes get asked the question, you know, with our um, Baptist heritage, why we emphasize so much immersion 
over sprinkling or partial um, dunking. Uh, and so today, um, from the text, I want us to see why we wholeheartedly um, love to, uh, to carry out baptism in the way we see it in Scripture by complete immersion to fully symbolize all that, that God has done and is doing in the life of a believer. Um, but, however, that's not a, a denominational push. I'm not here to, 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 um, to say one denomination does it better over another. We're simply here to look at the text um, and to look at the beautiful symbolism of baptism and what it means to us as a church and what it means to the individual as a believer, as Joe was talking about. And I'm so glad that we've gotten rid of the robes with sashes. So, um, at one, just a side note, one time in church history, you know they baptized nude? Yeah, if you could imagine, that's when the, baptisms, the baptismals came indoors. They were outdoors originally uh, in the first churches because of the Jewish, the way it was set up, the Jewish temples. But um, if you can imagine, once they, because of Paul's teaching that you're taking off the old and putting on the new, so they're like, okay, strip down, <laughs> get baptized, and then when you get out, you get new clothes. And so we've, we've, we've pro- I would say, progressed a lot since then. Um, baptism hasn't changed, the symbolism hasn't changed, but the way we do it has changed. Uh, so we do ask that you don't wear white clothes, but that you do wear clothes. So it does matter what you wear. Okay, so... Um, let's get started in this conversation. We're going to be in Colossians 2, and then I want to give you a chance to hear from uh, one of our church members in just a few minutes. Uh, we're going to start in verse 6, and uh, just, a, just a significant verse to get us started. Colossians 2, verse 6 says, uh, says this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, okay, that's been week 1 and week 2 so far, said yes to Jesus. Last week we came back and said, okay, this is what that implies. This is what Christ has done for you when you say yes to him. Okay, so therefore, since you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So move forward, walking in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So, just a brief recap, in case you missed it or in case you were here and maybe it didn't fully sink in. Here's what Christ has done for us. Now, the prophet Jeremiah um, prophesied that, um, that God would establish a new covenant um, and so we see that when Jesus comes to the earth, the uh, night before he's executed, he sits down with his disciples at the Lord's Supper, and as he's distributing the juice, he says, that's the blood of the new covenant right there. That's my blood that will be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, the blood of the new covenant. And so that's why Christ, or Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says this, if anybody's in Christ, he's a new creation. Okay, Everything is new now for those who are in Christ. So we saw last week that the beautiful, this, uh, this beautiful work that God has done in us when we receive Christ, we've moved from cursed to blessed, rejected to chosen, unrighteous to righteous, guilty to innocent, separated to united, enemies, now we're sons, and more than that, we're heirs. Um, we've been sealed and guaranteed by the Holy Spirit, and Paul uses the four R words. We've been renewed, reconciled, restored, and redeemed. Okay? All that has taken place in Christ. So this, is a, this is a big deal, um, right? So, so baptism, in, uh, if baptism is going to symbolize this, then baptism should be a big deal to us, however we decide to carry it out, whether we wear the robes or not. It's, a, it's symbolizing a big thing, okay? So in Colossians 2.6, Paul says, Therefore, since, you, since all this has taken place in your life, now walk in him. And then what he's going to do is he's going to explain a few things from really a theological level um, that go on inside the heart of a believer that is the the beautiful symbolism of being immersed in the water and coming back up. So verse 8. First of all, he wants you to understand people are out there trying to take you captive with different teachings. So he says that. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. Okay? 
and also according to the elementary or the elemental spirits of the world. So stop there. So if your philosophy is built on or according to things of earth, things that you experience, things that you see out there, then your philosophy, it doesn't matter how brilliant you are or how much it makes sense to you, it's empty. That's the contrast he wants us to see. So whatever you believe, he doesn't go into the details of false religions and false theologies. He just says, if your philosophy, if your way of thinking is built on anything except for Christ, according to anything except for Christ, here's the thing. I don't care how beautiful it is. I don't know how eloquently you can teach it. It's empty. Then he contrasts that in verse 9. For in him, okay, so this is according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Now, stop right there. Somebody try to explain that to me. Let me, let me walk through it again. For in him, who's the him? That's right, Jesus Christ our Lord. So in him, the whole fullness of deity. Who's that? God. So what he just said is that in Jesus, the whole fullness of who God is dwells in him okay so try to explain that how does that work i mean he's he's he was confined by a body and a, and a right he was he had a mass and a weight and a volume and you could measure him but somehow the fullness of who god was filled him but then look at what he says and then the implication for us verse 10 and you have been filled in him who is that christ who is the head of all and the rule of all authority. So what I want to do now is I'm going to go to um, an illustration to try to illustrate for you what I believe Paul just said to us and how this gets transferred in the symbolism of baptism, okay? So in Christ, his, this, this Jesus who walked on earth, the fullness of who God was dwelt in him and filled him, okay? Now, what he's saying now, Christ then, us, we are then filled with Christ, I mean, like the imagery, like God packing himself into Jesus. I know this is a, a botched illustration. Packing himself into Jesus and then taking that and then, and then putting that in us. And this is supposed to boggle your mind. It's what Paul will talk about in Ephesians a lot. This is, this is part of the mystery of the gospel. I don't know how this works, that Christ fills people. So what we get then is this. If we think in terms of water and containers, and I'm not putting God in a box, but I don't have the ability to contain water without a box. So if you could imagine, um, the water in here is just a, just a weak, cheap symbolism of who God is. This is God, the water, presence of God, and then this is Jesus. What he just said is this, that, and I'll just pour this out for illustration's sake. So that's God. Then what God did in Jesus and his body is he, he filled him with everything that was God. Okay? You see that? But then what he says... Let's slide this back. Jesus comes to earth, being everything that is God, and somehow us, we're filled in him. Now, I don't know if you've ever played the game where you try to, to empty a bottle, but this is a beautiful, uh, I believe, symbolism of what Paul is teaching. Like, I can push this down, and it's submerged, but is it filled? Why? If I let go, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep coming back to the surface, Right? So the idea is this, in order to be submerged in Christ, fully engulfed in who Christ is, in Christ, which is what we're talking about, then he's actually got to then fill us. 
okay? And so the idea is that we are totally submerged, immersed in Christ and then sealed by the Holy Spirit. So then now, look, this is where we are. We're in Christ, and Christ is in us. Now, this is all that Paul has labored to teach us through Ephesians 1 last week, all that we're going to be looking at today in Colossians 2, even in 3, and all that is being symbolized in baptism. We're now filled in Christ, buried in Christ, with everything that God is. Now, let's continue on. In verse 11, we're going to get this reference to circumcision, which is a weird thing to talk about in our culture. wasn't weird for them, okay? It was part of their religious ceremonies and part of their outward marking of who they were in relation to God, speaking about the Jews, okay? It was this outward marking that I belong to God. And so what Paul's going to do now in verse 11 is say, in him also you were circumcised, but not the one you're thinking of, like don't go to that one, with a circumcision made without hands, so he doesn't want you thinking about the, the, the fleshly version. He's just talking about an outward marking. So we have then in him, you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without human hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision then of Christ. So now the mark then that we will bear as Christians, we will bear an outward mark, but it won't be that earthly one that you, you use your hands to make. It will be one that Christ makes on us, a mark that Christ makes on us. And then look at the very next thing he says in verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So it's more than just when I die, I go to heaven. So we tend to think of baptism, we think of resurrection only. Okay, That's in there. The idea that we've been Buried with Christ will also be raised with him. But do you see the beautiful symbolism that comes when we go under the water? We're being submerged in him. Like, we want every piece of who we are to be dripping with Jesus. Now, inside and out, however, in baptism, we ask people not to open their mouths under the water, right? I mean, because that just wouldn't work. But you see the beautiful symbolism. It's more than I'm just getting wet to wash away sin. I am being submerged, immersed, drenched in Jesus until he fills me with everything that he is outside and in. And Paul says, this is your new mark, baptism. We're not going to do the circumcision thing anymore as an outward mark. We're going to do this baptism thing. Now, verse 13, let's just venture into 13 for just a second because there is this the second part of this. Now think about this. This is kind of strange. Um, if, if we're symbolizing that we've been buried with Christ, do you bury people who are alive? Well, you're not supposed to. They, they frown on it, okay? Ah, yeah, naturally so. Okay, so let me ask you this then, okay? So then why are we buried with him? Well, Paul goes on to explain. He says it in Ephesians 2.1. He says it here in verse 13. And you were, here's why, because you were dead. But you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. So God has made us alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses. So, so in that baptism experience, there's the baptismal back here. When a person goes down, they're symbolizing, I'm being immersed in Christ. He's filling me up. He's covering me on the outside. He's filling me on the inside. I'm being buried with him. Why? 
because before I met Jesus, I was dead in my trespasses, but now I'm raised to a walk in a new life. And this is the beautiful symbolism of baptism. When Jesus gets ready to commission the church, he says to the disciples, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go make more disciples, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to baptize them. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so Jesus himself tells us as a church, that's how I want you to mark my believers, through baptism. And so that's why it's such a big deal to us. That's why at Solid Rock, immersion is such a big deal to us. It's not a denominational thing. It's an in Christ thing. I want you to see one last thing before we, we hear from, uh, from, from one of our church members. Jump to chapter 3, verse 1, because it just, gets, it just gets more beautiful as you move forward. Verse 1 starts with, if then you've been raised. Okay, So that's being symbolized in baptism, been raised with Christ. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek things that are above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, verse 2. Set your mind, your minds on things that are above, not on things on the earth. For you have died and your life is now, look at this, hidden with Christ in where? In God. Explain that to somebody. My life is hidden in Christ, in God. So we come back over here and so what he's just said is, is not only am I submerged in Christ, I'm, I'm in him and he's in me, but I'm hidden in him in God, sealed by the Holy Spirit. You guys see that? That's you in there. You have a hard time seeing you? Good. Good. Matter of fact, the more absent you can become, the more invisible you can become in this equation, the better. You know, baptism in the New Testament is, is described with the word baptizos, this Greek word, you know, to dip something uh, in water. But if you, if you look up the, the word and the different ways it gets used, it does mean to cover completely in a liquid, which now we see why. But there's some other ways that the word gets used to be overwhelmed, like in a good way by something. Um, you, you, Paul will even use that as kind of a metaphor to talk about his baptism, but not talking about water, but talking about even in his suffering is kind of a baptism to him, being overwhelmed in a good way. Um, to be involved deeply in something, if you're, it's used as a metaphor, you're baptized in this. Like you could be really into motorcycles and just say, man, he's just like baptized in, in motorcycles. Because why? He's fully and deeply, or maybe she, in those things. But there's another part of baptism that, that I wanted to bring out today, and it's the idea that you're overshadowed to make unnoticeable. It's another way it gets used. So I love all those ideas when we think about this, that we're being overwhelmed by Christ. I mean, so deeply buried and rooted in Christ that we're overwhelmed by who he is. That's a good thing, right? It's a beautiful thing. To the point where we progressively, day by day, which is what we're gonna come back and talk about next week, become more and more unnoticeable. That's why John the Baptist says, I must decrease so that he can what? Increase.